We are back again with the Council's Connection. I am your host, Damian Vicks, and on this fresh episode of the week of Thanksgiving, we're going to be talking about the best tech to use for your core curriculum. We're also going to delve a little bit into balancing time and duties, of course, the housekeeping items, and my final thought of the week. It's coming up next on the Council Connection, Lego. So we are here. We are about to go into Thanksgiving break. Some schools and districts did work today. Um, my district, we were out last Friday, and you talk about Ghost Town at four fifteen when that last bus was called. You talk about Ghost Town, but this is a time we use for reflection and relaxation and recuperating everything like that. And we also use this a brief moment of this time to become better at our craft as counselors. And on the Twitter, I post a question at Faith the PSC. What topics do you would want to hear on the school counseling podcast? And a couple of good suggestions came out of there. And two of these things I'm pretty familiar with as far as what I do as far as being a counselor, uh, balancing your time and duties and best tech to use for lessons. Those are two of the two of the top topics that I like that I like to use. Uh, mindfulness was another uh, area somebody brought up. Self-care and how that makes an impact in self-care for teachers, especially um, during this time of hybrid slash virtual learning slash face-to-face in the pandemic. And those are things we can also delve into once we get to the second semester, possibly, but I wanted to touch on uh, best tech to use as a counselor in time to do this. We're going to start with the best tech to use for as completing your core curriculum. Um, I use a plethora of different platforms. Um, for me, of course, I use I use Nearpod a lot, so that way I could I could um time the lesson as far as pace it as I go for my my scholars so that way it's different engagement they try can't doze off or they have to take attention to the screen and with Nearpod you can add in your pre and post test you can add in tickets out the door you can add in collaboration tools in there and you can embed videos for your scholars to to look at while you're doing the lesson as well not saying you can't do that on PowerPoint, but Nearpod is more engaging for your scholars, um, for them to be able to keep up with the lesson and find it more meaningful. Um, another thing, what I did, one of my core curriculum, I did one on time management, is it was a PowerPoint, but I included music on it. So that way, you can engage the students as far as um, keeping it as like a music therapy type session. Um, the lesson was on time management. I called the time the ten time commandments, which was a, a play on words with um, notorious B.I.G.'s, the ten crack commandments. Of 
course, I didn't say nothing about cracking them like that, but it's just the, the beat and what I used for that lesson help with the kids saying, oh, Mr. Vicks, old school. So they can begin to get them talking. And to tie in what we also did with the PowerPoint lesson, of course, we did a uh, pre-post test. I think it was a Likert scale, if I remember correctly. Um, Also included my Google Classroom, which is my next tool I would use for as far as gauging engagement for core curriculum. Uh, Google Classroom. Why Google Classroom? Why are you doing that? Well, our district uses um, Google Suite of Apps and Office 365. We use everything Google, but we also have access to everything um, Office. But the main thing they use is Google. So Google Classroom, um, all the councils in my building have or in our district use Google Classroom to push out stuff for us. College Career Readiness, um, SEL, Kindness Week, so forth and so on. So what I do with my... Um, Google Classroom, I put some of my lessons on there and ask a uh, open-ended question about the lesson we just did, just in case somebody might have been absent. That way you can reach all your students, all your scholars, excuse me. I use that as a, as a form of engagement and for students to see the lessons on their own. They didn't catch, they missed something. So I put that lesson on there, especially with the um, with the music embedded in there. I made it loop, so that way you can listen to the groove and everything so it's, it's um, instrumental so there's no lyrics to it so it's, it's all good that way students can gauge on how they um, how they view the lesson and what they learn from it and you can find ways to drill down especially from scholars that might be struggling with keeping an agenda I'm just basing this on my lesson on time management an agenda on how to multi, how not to multitask how to complete a project how to how to be finished with it um but I find I found Google Classroom very very helpful this year as far as helping students. And out of the students that signed, we have um, 458 graders uh, in our building, and only 39 responded to the question. But it's just that built-in engagement as far as it don't have to just be core curriculum, but it could be it could be a question I posed on there about Chadwick Boseman and how would you change the world if you was a superhero when he passed away. So you use that as a as a form of open dialogue with your scholars to see where they're at and then if you feel like that they might have some, some way to answer it is something that they might be dealing with or struggling with then you can base that off of that and talk to the student give them some um, individual sessions or create small groups from it so google classroom is one of the biggest biggest ones i use because that also touches all students and catches the students that might, might have missed school and they'll be able to see what you did in class. Another tool that I've, I've used a little bit as far as core curriculum um, is Pear Deck. Especially if you your district uses Google. It's a great add-on um, for your lessons. It gets, it's kind of like Nearpod but it's more compatible with Google Slides as, as well as Nearpod. You can add in um, a drawing feature. You you pace a, a teacher pace lesson, so that way you can control the pace of the of the lesson that's going on, as well as you have an option to draw answers on on screen for the students or marking live answers on the on that um, platform. I I haven't had opportunity to use it as much. I've seen in action. It's pretty cool. Well, I'm more for, I'm more comfortable using Nearpod um, in that sense. Another tool that I will probably 
you like to use them use more this year, but I probably use it when my I when I present with GSCA um, at a conference next um, next year in January is Sway. Sway is an office feature. Uh, if you can't find it in the main tab of your folders, just click on the um, search button and type in Sway. It is a different form of a um, presentation. You can use that website as far as um, use that platform to put your lessons in. Uh, you could create a, a newsletter for, for parents and scholars and staff. You can use this as as marketing for your council department as far as what you do. And one thing about Sway, you can you can upload your PowerPoint presentation in it and it will read it and it will make it it will make it in a fun presentation for your uh, viewer to look at instead of the um, the traditional PowerPoint slide. They just slide to the left or slide to the right. I might have a disappearing piece or whatnot or whatever. So that is one thing. Some of the things that I've liked about as far as tech tools. There's probably some other ones out there, but I'm going off the ones that I use the majority of the time. Um, course google classroom google meets we use google meets as well if you want to um meet with your students some districts use zoom i kind of prefer zoom because it doesn't get glitchy as much as google meets um i wish they had a feature where you could do facetime facetime would be a lot cooler but every child don't have an iphone but if they could make it a little more user friendly for us for that way that'd be pretty cool um but those are my three or four tools that I use for as um, core curriculum. And one more I like to throw in there. I, of course, you guys probably already know about Kahoot. I use Kahoot for my pre-post test. You can use it as surveys. Um, different different type of things you can use it for as far as teaching. You can use it for CFAs, common formative assessments. You can use it as a study review for scholars. You can use it as assignments for them to turn it in. To answer the questions through uh, cahoots, turn it in. You could gauge who missed what, then you could do differentiated instruction based on those. For counselors from our end, you can differentiate which scholars might need more help on a certain aspect. Like, for instance, if you're doing career readiness or resume building, you could work with those students that are struggling with creating the resume or or different lessons in, in career building. You can use those use the use that um platform and kahoot to drill down to small groups or individual sessions or you might have to redo a whole session with the class a specific class so there's so many different avenues you can go into as far as what tech to use for as core curriculum and what you can use with it like i said there's a couple of things that i use um presently and i think it's pretty cool that that we use them as we need to have a lot of tools on our toolbox because you don't want to be stale in your lessons. You want to get as much engagement as possible. It's also, it helps the teachers as well, too, because they might not know about some of this stuff and they use it for the classroom, but the teachers are the experts. And I think just them knowing that you know the same tools that they're using, they will appreciate that. Now, I will be right back with my tips on duties and time. Keep it locked.
we are back. Uh, we also going to talk about time and duties as far as school counselors. That's some uh, a hot topic that's been on my crawl my five years as a counselor. Um, one of the things about time and duties is that uh, duties are not going to go away and we're not going to get any extra time. Uh, you all out there in the counselor world as professional school counselors or therapists, anything like that, know that. And the caseload is not going to go down. It's going to go, it's either going to get bigger or it's going to get a lot more deeper. And a couple of things that we can do as counselors is to make sure that one, we are accountable for what we do. As far as a counselor, we need to track the time that we spend with our students and make sure that we are effective in what we do, have data to back up what we are doing. So we just talked about tech tools for school counseling. Um, as far as core curriculum in that aspect, we are doing tech tools for your time management a lot of folks use counselor app far as uh, time tracking. Some folks use Google Forms or Microsoft Forms to, to just plot in what they need so they get more delineated data. I use Scooter. Um, I've been using it for five years. I don't plan on going to anything else because I don't don't want to fool with Google Forms. You know, a lot of folks are more experienced getting more detailed reports as far as what they need to use it for. I I use Scooter to track my time, creates my charts for me and everything. But as far as duties and time, we need to make sure that our day is already planned by us or if not, it will be planned for us. So make sure that whatever you're doing for the day or the week, make sure that you have it planned out so that way you can be flexible or nimble or be able to pivot from it. But don't leave it open to a point where somebody could come in and say, well, they're not doing anything. Just, just do it. Um, you could be stuck with lunch duty on a daily basis where you could be sitting in with students having a lunch bunch or you could be doing small groups during lunch, that type of thing. Um, now, before I continue, there's a difference between fair share responsibility and non-school counseling tasks. Now, fair share duty is when everybody in the building has a part in in, in a duty that everybody has. Let's say, for instance, morning or afternoon duty. Let's say, for instance... You have morning and afternoon duty. But everybody in the building has a form of duty that's a non-teacher, um, that's a um, that's a support staff. That would be considered fair share because all the support staff has a duty post. Now, if there's a support staff that doesn't have it, and you're the only one that's stuck with, say, bus duty or whatever, but everybody else is chilling, you can code that as a non-school counselor task because it's not fair share because everybody's not sharing any duty. Another example would be possibly, let's say, for instance, um, your connections classes um, in the day, the last class will be sixth grade. The sixth grade teachers are on bus duty or car rider duty or hall duty because the connection teachers are holding the sixth graders. You're helping with hall duty in the afternoon. But then the sixth grade teachers in the morning have their classes, but the connection teachers are on hall duty. And that in that aspect, that will be fair share duty because it's sharing of those duties between the support staff and, and a grade level and a, and a content like connections or specials, as some folks might want to call it. 
Now, if it was just the counselors doing hall duty and everybody else get to sit around and chat and drink coffee, then that's not a school counselor task because there's other people that's available to do it. Remember, the difference between fair share and non-school counselor task is who does it and the art and the how often it is, is it is conducted. So making sure that your time is filled on your weekly schedule can often keep you away from doing unnecessary duties. So when you plan your schedule, make sure that you are meeting with students. Make sure you plan your day or week accordingly. Me, I plan my I plan my weeks out. So that way I have it plotted so that way I can I can move around some things if I have to. Um, another thing you can do as far as your time and duties, as far as I want to look at more at time than duties, because if you have your time plotted the way you need to, you don't have to worry about your duties unless that's mandated by administrators. Then you can just plot that into your time. So let's say, for instance, you're plotting your schedule for the week. I will post that on your school website. So that way, if parents want to try to meet with you, they will see that your availability. Now, don't get me wrong. They're not going to always look at it. But it's always going to be there, and you can always refer the parents to your schedule for the week. Um, I do that with my school. I play, I put my Google Calendar on my on my webpage, so that way they can see what I have for the week. They can see if I'm coming in to do a core curriculum for the month, or if I'm doing a parent meeting. Of course, you know you got FERPA and confidentiality, so don't put the name of the the student or the parent you're meeting with, so everybody won't be be in their business, and you could cause an uproar in that part. I want you to put initials. I'll just lead parent meeting and then in your notes on your calendar you can see who you meet it with so that way you can stay informed on that part but making sure that you're basically if your time is plotted every week and you have minimum gaps in there make sure that you are now make sure that you get lesser duties that you're assigned to you um one thing about time also make sure you plot a lunch in there also so that way i know administrators they don't never get to take a lunch. I've never seen seen them eat that much because I've seen them working. It might take 20, 30 minutes to eat. But make sure you get a, a block of time in there for lunch, 30 to 45 minutes. So that way you can have time to just reset, look over your calendar to see if you need to adjust or pivot from what you already have scheduled. But make sure that you're make sure that you have that dedicated time to eat. Now, it might not be the same every day. I will just put it on my calendar at the same time. Usually I put mine at 12, 15 to 12 to 1 o'clock. So that way I could have that time locked in. Now, if I know I have a parent conference on Thursday, I would know I need to move my lunch to about 1.15 to 2 o'clock, which is fine. So that way, if I eat a little bit later, I won't be as hungry when I leave. Or if it's, depending on if it's a Friday or something, I might have to move my lunch to 11, 11 to 11.45 because I know I have, a, a, have two checkouts to do. But make sure that you plot your time accordingly and make sure it's, make sure your schedule is filled to a point where you can be more effective as a professional school counselor to you. Scholars, so that way you can be available to pivot. Now with the duties, that's going to happen. If you're the only counselor in the building, you're going to be asked to do a lot, possibly. If you only have one administrator in the building and you have two counselors, of course, there's a possibility one of you might be a testing coordinator or a 504 chair or MTSS slash RTI uh, coordinator. So those are some things that you need to prepare for also. But at the same time, 
you can use this opportunity to one get to know your students and two advocate for why those duties need to be taken off for you especially when you're showing that during your planning if you have a specific grade level that you cover or as I say seventh grade and you're doing the MTSS twice a week and you could be using that connection time to meet with students during that time for small groups and you can show the need like hey I my some grade students need me here for conflict resolution I need to get the small group together and try and figure out what's going on I hope this helped answer some of those questions but to me deal with the time piece first before you deal with the duties Make sure your time is allocated for before somebody schedule you on your time. Make sure that you have your time plotted and make sure you are able to pivot as much as 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 needed on in pharmacy PRN. That means as needed and make sure that you always get a slow lunch schedule in there for you. And it's okay to move it around based on your needs of your scholars and the parents. So that way you'll be able to be flexible and meet their needs as well. Now I'll be right back with my housekeeping items right after this. This is the part of the show where I do my housekeeping items. Of course, you can follow me on the Twitter at Fave the PSC. That's F-A-B-E-T-H-E-P-S-C. You can also listen to my podcast on a plethora of platforms such as Anchor, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Cast. Radio Public, Spotify, and of course, Apple Podcasts. Um, hit the subscribe button whenever I release a new episode. It'll drop on those platforms. Apple, it'll usually drop an hour after I release it to Anchor. We also are looking at a couple different topics for the next couple of episodes. And let me tell you something. It's going to be pretty cool what we're going to be talking about in the near future. Um, after the break, we're going to have Tariel Key um, talk about DEI initiatives, um, diversity, equity, and inclusion. As far as that, from the as- aspect from his perspective, working with Aska on that. We're also going to have my three of my favorite guys, John, Steve, and Brian. You already know who they are. We're going to be talking about ratios and how that affects students of color in those schools who have, in those states that have high ratios. I know Arizona right now should be the number one school, number one state in in the country with the highest ratio of student to counselors. And we're going to delve into that and possibly tie into how that affects um, counselors of color and students of color when it's one, a lack of counselors to meet the needs of students and a lack of counselors of color to meet the needs of those students of color. Um, of course, you can reach out to me on our parent portal. If you go to anchor.fm forward slash Fabian dash Vix and you click on the messages, leave a message uh, for our show. If you like the show, once the things improve, some things you want us to talk about on the show, drop it on there. We'll be more than happy to answer that question. And, you know, it's what we do. Um, I don't know everything. Never said I did. But it's something I'm Want to, want to try to do, been trying to push this for two years and nobody's dropped a message on there. Just click on the message tab, drop a, drop a line to us and we'll be more than happy to answer any question that you may have or take the criticism or the, the compliments. You know, it's cool with me. Um, that's it for my housekeeper items. I'll be right back with my final thoughts on Alex Trebek.
Faith's final thought. Um, the last couple weeks have been to me crazy. Um, we all lost somebody that's been indirectly close to us a few weeks ago. Um, November 8th, Jeopardy game show host Alex Trebek um, lost his battle with cancer and passed away. And that really shook me a little bit because I grew up with him. And some people just know him from just just Jeopardy and for me I knew him from classic concentration uh, to tell the truth two game shows that's been revived several times we know Bill Cosby did the version of to tell the truth uh, we know Anthony Anderson is doing a present day version of it which I love uh, classic concentration is a game show that you know if you watched it and contestants have have a great recall memory as far as locating prizes to open up piece to the Rebus puzzle and guessing the puzzle to go to the bonus round and win a car and to me that's one of the toughest game shows because it uses quick wit quick recall memory to try to win a car and possibly 35 seconds or less or if you're a champion champion you keep on going you as much time as you can get within five episodes but a lot of folks don't know the true story of Alex Trebek as far as him how he came to America from Canada, of course, he loved Canada. He's uh, he showed his Canadian pride whenever he could, and he, he's working on a on a show in Canada and had time built up to take a job in the states in California. We had up to six months of holiday time taken up, saved up, excuse me, to take off and take a shot in in um, America on a on a new show and from about 1974 to 1986 he was dabbling around on different shows but he stayed employed pretty much right until they revived Jeopardy I think it was 1984 86 when when they um, revived Jeopardy and ever since then that show has won 40 Emmys from 1984 to present day and and keep in mind during that time also when he was doing Jeopardy he was also doing Classic Concentration and To Tell the Truth so this man worked three game shows at one time for a three to four year stretch that just showed the dedication and the hard work and the demand that he he commanded in his field Now, fast forward to present day, um, you look at his philanthropic endeavors or the places he's traveled for with the with the the clue the clue crew. That's, that's a tough alliteration right there uh, for Jeopardy. For different places like the Galapagos Islands and Australia and Belgium and England and so forth and so on. Different places and whatever he taught, you believed him whatever he showed you you're amazed at it whatever places they've been you want to go there and that's the one thing I'll miss about him because he's like that family member that taught you a lot of stuff and 
even though he was he was not of course we're not related but just watch him every day on tv with your your grandparents when you're at home sick or you're, you're on summer break or something or you're watching with like my is my um instance um i know i'm a little bit all over the place because I, I love alex i love jeopardy i still love the show uh my fondest memories of jeopardy is when my dad was living we would sit at home and try to answer some questions on jeopardy and we just sit there and answer seven thirty, like clockwork watch jeopardy and try to answer many questions and and believe it or not i did not know my dad knew a lot of that stuff on there so it just made me want to get better at my knowledge of trivia and history and potpourri and that type of stuff and I think I'm a fairly smart guy um, I tried to uh, tried to um, take the Jeopardy test several times and of course I, I never made on Jeopardy of course I would have talked about it just the opportunity to get a chance to meet Alex would have been the highlight, one of the highlights of my life next to marrying my wife and the birth of my children that would have been up there um It's just a sad, I'm in a sad couple of weeks because we lost an icon in television with him. And one last um, thing about Alex before we sign off. Um, on the last show that aired before his death, they're still airing the episode. They still have like 30, 25 to 30 episodes with him on there presently. They go back in the recording on Monday with Ken, Ken Jennings as an interim host. They're going to have interim hosts going forward. Um, to find a replacement so they're going to do basically do test runs with these people what it looks like and I can see a lot of a lot of folks saying LeVar Burton or Ken Jennings um, I just think they need to get the right person but on the show that aired before his passing uh, there's a current champion that um, Alice was talking about you know you tell us a story you stay with your grandfather so you Basically, his parents were immigrant. His immigrant coming over to us, of course, and he would stay with his granddad, and they'll watch Jeopardy every day. And Alex was the one that helped him teach him English by watching Jeopardy. So he learned English just by watching Jeopardy every day. That touched me right there so much to the point that I didn't think about how our ESOL students or our DACA students or students that are not from here have to learn English or how they struggle to just to try to make a, a life for themselves here, their parents or their grandparents or the family member they're living with that gets me to thinking what is our why hey what is our how so what are we doing as counselors to 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 validate our why or our how or our scholars that took me so to a point where I'm thinking I gotta be better than what I already am or I think I am let me say that because our students need especially now with this pandemic we are seeing cases going up a deadly uptick to where schools are shutting back down. New York is, is pretty much going to go back on a lot now. California's already got curfews implemented. So 
what can we do right now to help our scholars keep up in a virtual world during a living pandemic that doesn't seem to be going away? Some could say that we're living in a in two different pandemics. I agree with them. First pandemic is COVID-19. Second one's racial injustices, social, social justice, social injustice. I can see that. Right now, it's a budding third pandemic that's going on right now. That's the educational system. Because kids are frustrated. They're not getting what they need at home because of the circumstances. And we cannot take that chance of teaching our scholars in person if it jeopardizes the safety for all parties. We have to figure out a way to be, to be better at our why and our how like Alex did for that Jeopardy champion. I want to thank you for listening to my podcast. Um, if I don't um, see y'all till next time or um, get any response from you, have a happy and safe Thanksgiving. Do not go anywhere. Just cook your own turkey like I'm going to try to do this week. Y'all pray for me. I'm out.